Well, welcome everybody. We are very, very glad that you're here. I think this one's on. Is this one on? I hope so. Um, it's good to be back with you. Uh, I was out of pocket last week with my wife. We, we went down to another wonderful church down in San Antonio, the MacArthur Park Church of Christ. It's, uh, it's an anchor church for that city of San Antonio. They do the same things we do. They preach the gospel. They help the poor. They support the missionaries. And uh, it was just a pleasure to be with them. I've been down there many times. They know people from Wilshire and uh, vice versa. You know people down there as well. So it was a good, it was a good trip, but I'm glad to be back with you. Yeah, um, I remember when snow days used to mean something, Jeremy. Uh, thanks to the internet, I had full days of work every day. It was awesome. I mean, I was at home, so I could... Uh, have pajama bottoms on, but other than that, I had to teach all my classes and so forth. I just don't stand up when I'm teaching my classes in my pajama bottoms. I just, you know, I just find a reason to stay seated the whole time, and it works great. Uh, so today is the last sermon. We're going to do another uh, service next week, but today is the last sermon in our series, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, and maybe it's the best one. Uh, last week, Jeremy talked to you about the second coming of Jesus, where this drama that we're in right now, this age of God's kingdom on earth, the church age, is finally rolled to a close. The, the skies are rolled back, the, the, the seas are pushed away, and God comes in the form of Jesus Christ to judge the world. That was the story we learned last week. Well, what happens after that? What happens after that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, The trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, we who are left alive will be changed, and then we will all rise to be with the Lord forever. That's, that's Paul's very brief summary of the story. We will be with the Lord forever. And that's the part of the story I want to focus on today. Uh, Andrew read for us that passage that starts in Revelation 21 and runs through this 22nd chapter too. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Revelation 21. Let's look at those passages again. Uh, what is it? If you had to boil it down to one thing, what is it that makes heaven so heavenly? What makes heaven heaven? What's the essence of heaven? Well, let's try to answer that question. Before we read this passage, let's think about what the Bible has been telling us the whole story long. Where were Adam and Eve when God could come walking in the afternoon and just have a conversation with them? Do you remember where they were? You can say it, it's fine. They were in the Garden of Eden. 
And when human beings sinned, when our first parents sinned, what happened? It's okay. You're allowed to talk. It's fine. Bill, is it okay for the congregation to talk to me? See? Oh. <laughs> I think it's fine. Um, Adam and Eve were cast away from that place where they had been so closely in the presence of God. Cain, in chapter 4, we're studying all this right now in our Sunday morning Bible class, when he kills Abel, he says, well, I'm scared, you're going to send me out, people are going to kill me, and one of the things he complains about is, you're going to send me away from your presence. And it's the presence of God that is one of the key themes all the way through scriptures. The Israelites are in Egypt and God comes with a mighty hand and he brings them out with signs and wonders, parts the Red Sea, uh, fins off the Egyptians while the Red Sea is being parted and they walk through and the Egyptians are destroyed and they meet God at the mountain, the same mountain where uh, Moses had seen the burning bush. It's a sign that all of this is true. God gave that sign. Can we switch to this microphone? Is it working at all? Because I keep turning my head and losing sound. Um, now the Israelites, Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God. The Israelites down at the bottom said, we can't be without gods. We don't know what happened to Moses. He's up there. We don't know what happened. Let's make some gods to go with us into the promised land. So they make this, it's, it's a foolish, foolish decision. And you remember what God says? He says several things, but one of the things that he says is, I'm going to send you on into the promised land. I made a promise, not to you, but to other people, your ancestors. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the promised land. I'll send my angel to help you take the land. But I'm not going with you. Do you remember that? Exodus 33. I'm not going with you, because if I went with you, I could break out and just kill everybody. I can't be with this people the way they are. I can't. Moses begs. He says, we would rather stay here in this Sinai desert at the foot of this infertile mountain than to be sent away from your presence. If you don't go with us, don't send us. That's what Moses says. And God comes up with this beautiful plan. The rest of the book of Exodus is basically God creating the tabernacle and saying, here's how I want it to be built. And there's the Ark of the Covenant, and then there's the inner room where the Ark of the Covenant can be, which represents the presence of God. And then there's the outer room. And then there's the altar where blood can be offered to cleanse, spiritually cleanse that place. And then there's a courtyard that's screened off from the rest. Of it. It's like, in order for God to be with the people, he needs several layers of insulation. You notice that? But the blessing is he's now with the people. And that blessing continues. They do take the promised land with his help. And, and finally, when King David comes and King Solomon, they bring God's presence, God's ark, into the city. And Solomon builds a temple. And the glory of the Lord fills the, fills the temple. 
so strong, just like it did the tabernacle at the end of the book of Exodus in 1 Kings chapter 8. The glory of the Lord fills the temple. It's an amazing, amazing moment. God's presence. You read the Psalms, it's not infrequent in the Psalms for people to talk about how wonderful the city of Jerusalem is. Zion, you're glorious, you're beautiful. One of the main boasts about the city of Zion, God has chosen you for his dwelling. City of Jerusalem, it's where God is present. That theme goes on and on and on through the Old Testament, even through the darkest times. The theme of God's presence or God withdrawing his presence is key to understanding what's going on with God's people. It's no coincidence that in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is born, Joseph is told, this is a fulfillment of that prophecy you guys know from way back, Isaiah, the virgin shall be with child and shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name. Do you remember the name? Do you remember the name? Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's exactly right. In fact, that's the way the Gospel of Matthew ends. Jesus says, I want you to go out. I want you to make disciples of all the nations. Teach them to obey. Baptize them. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. Even now, in the church... What happens when just two or three of us are gathered together in the name of the Lord? He's with us. That's why this matters. That's the main thing that makes this church, is that Jesus comes to join us. The Lord comes to join us. So I'm going to ask my question again, and I think now you know the answer. What makes heaven, heaven? It's the presence of the Lord. That's the most heavenly thing about heaven. I mean, it's got gold streets and pearl gates and, and all kinds of other stuff. But what makes it heavenly is the presence of the Lord. The great prize at the end of the human story is to be with the Lord forever. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's us. That's all of God's people, the new Jerusalem. And that's our dwelling place. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What makes heaven heaven is to be our ability to be with the Lord, to be with God. You notice there's a sad note right in verse 8 of this reading, if you're in your Bibles. The sad note is, all of those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are in this great city where every tear is wiped away, all sickness is healed, but the cowardly, 
the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What makes heaven heaven is that we are with the Lord. I submit to you the same thing is true about what makes hell hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. God does not want you to be in that terrible place. What makes hell so terrible is not the burning sulfur. But make God, what makes hell so terrible is that you are away from the dwelling place of God. You are cast out. Jesus calls it the outer darkness. One of his images, it's the door shut in your face. You are not allowed into the feast. It's to be away from the presence of God. God doesn't want that to happen to you. Instead, what he wants is for you to be with him forever. That is the great prize that all of us are struggling for right now in this time. Look down at, I mean, that whole chapter is wonderful, and, and you can read through it. Talks describes the city and how big it is and, and, and its furniture and things. But look down in verse 22 of Revelation 21, verse 22. Andrew read this for us. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We're with the Lord when we're in that city. Everywhere in the city is like the Holy of Holies. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring all their splendor into it. You see that? On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there is no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a bunch of Old Testament prophecies that, that are being echoed here in this passage about you know the, the distant nations bringing their treasures, bringing their best things, bringing them to be part of God's kingdom. And, 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 and John is given this vision of how that's happening. All of the best of everything is there in this city, the splendor of all the nations. And that's a second thing for us to think about, about what this is like, what this heavenly city is like. Have you ever been spending time with your friends or your family and people are laughing? People, maybe they're teasing each other, making little jokes, whatever, but people are just laughing. Have you ever had that experience? Now, objectively, I've had, we have that experience all the time. People are laughing and they're loud and everybody's kind of smiling. And objectively, if you had a video camera, the jokes that are being told, let's be honest, are they that good? Do they really justify how hilarious everything seems in that moment? They don't. You know that, right? What is going on? What is that? C.S. Lewis says that 
is joy. It is one of the features of God. That's, that there's something extra being added to your time with your loved ones, your friends. And that's one of the features of God is joy. It's kind of coming in and being manifest in you. It's wonderful. In fact, one of the sad things about this world is we can't be in that state forever. You know, eventually we got to go home. We got to rest. We got to sleep. You know, we just can't be with each other forever. Guess what happens in heaven? All of eternity to be in that state. All of eternity. Have you ever struggled for something you really wanted and you, you weren't sure you were going to be able to accomplish it? It was something you needed, some task to perform, some temptation to overcome. It was something that was going to take a lot out of you, and even with your best, you weren't sure you were going to achieve it. What does it feel like if you're successful? Think about, just call that feeling to mind. That moment when you realize, I've done it. I've done it. For most of us, we feel proud of ourselves. We feel happy. And for most of us, we also feel grateful. <laughs> At least that's one of the emotions that's in there. Because we realize, even with my best effort and my best talent, it could have gone the other way. This overcoming of temptation, this, this success in my job or my work or, or any other endeavor, this could have gone the other way. The universe might not have cooperated, but, but I was helped, I was blessed. I somehow... This happened. That's a wonderful feeling. That extra thing that comes, that aid, that's always been God. Whether you name it God or not, that help in time of trouble, that joy when you're among friends, and in fact, every other splendor of the world has always been God. Our tragedy as human beings, the horrible thing, actually, that we have done to ourselves as human beings is to obscure that one central fact from ourselves. Everything that makes your life fun, good, enjoyable, every little piece of pleasure that you're able to derive from any, the smallest and the greatest parts of your life, has always been God always been God. And our problem is that we have been able to raise just enough dust to hide that central fact from ourselves. So believe me when I tell you that what makes heaven heaven is for all that dust to clear, for us to finally realize where our true joy is, where our true happiness is, where our, what we always wished we could turn into but haven't quite been able to manage it, all of that, we realize it's God and by the blood of Jesus Christ, we receive the presence of God. To be with the Lord is to receive at long last what we have been wanting our whole lives. That's what this means, to be with the Lord forever.
If you've got your Bibles, you can turn over to the next chapter, chapter 22. One more little bit of description of how this holy city, Jerusalem, works. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the lamp, light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. The presence of God, the presence of healing, the presence of life forever. And they will reign forever and ever. That last little phrase, almost a throwaway line, and they will reign forever and ever. Now I will tell you, as somebody who's thought about this for a long time, I'm 65, am I 65? I'm 65. So I've been thinking about this at least since I was five years old. For 60 years, I've been thinking about this. And there is way more that's unclear about how heaven works than, than is clear to me. And, and I'm pretty sure that the questions you and I have about heaven are kind of like ask, asking, what happens if you divide red by fire truck? I mean, I, I don't think the questions we have will turn out to make even sense enough to have an answer. Because our brains aren't there yet. Our minds aren't there yet. But one of the things that's actually a theme in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is whatever this new reality is, this kingdom of God that is coming, this new heaven and new earth, whatever it is, God's people were designed in Genesis chapter 1 to have dominion. And God's people will finally have that reign. They will have that dominion. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm not sure. But you will have stuff to do in the kingdom of heaven. Now everything I say from this point on is pretty much speculation. Unless you hear me quoting scripture. But... Here's what I suggest you think about when you think about what it is you'll be doing in heaven. What is it you're doing right now for God? What is it you know, or are pretty sure, God has kind of prepared you and put you in the position to be doing for him right now? Could be stuff you're doing for this congregation. A lot of you do things to help this congregation flourish. Could be things that you are doing that express the love of God out into the world, in your work or in your family life or in other things. What are you doing right now that is God working through you to make the world more like he wants it to be, to have his will done in this world? Whatever that is, I suspect that is what the kingdom of heaven will involve. Some way somehow. You're not going to be a different you. 
You're going to be more you. With all the dust and muck and mire cleared away in the kingdom of heaven. To be with the Lord is to take our places as rulers in God's kingdom. We have, church, the greatest story that anyone has ever told or ever will tell. Your neighbors, your friends, your family members need this story. Don't be afraid to tell it. Don't be afraid to rejoice in it. Be proud and be happy that this is our destiny, to be with the Lord forever. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the amazing salvation in Jesus Christ that makes it possible for us to be with you, to be with him for all of eternity. God, give us the strength right here, right now, to so live that we will be there. Give us the strength and the determination right here, right now, to put away anything in our lives that will not fit in that new space and to add into our lives all those things that will make us enjoy you more. God, right here, right now, we beg for your help to be your people and to ready ourselves for that glory that you've prepared for us. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation, if you need prayers or help, you can come forward, ask for that help. If you are ready today to receive baptism, to have your sins washed away, ready to confess with your mouth Jesus truly is the Lord, ready to put aside those things that are holding you back from him and from God's will, ready to wash away your sins, being buried in baptism, rise up a new person. If that's what you want, there's no reason to wait around on that. You can do that right now. You can leave this place with the new life. Why don't you come as we stand and as we sing?